Old Man Orange presents a brand new podcast, Octorok Talk. Hello, this is Octorock Talk. I am Ryan Dunnigan. And I am James Artville. And today we're going to be talking about uh, fandoms and I guess when do things get toxic. And not so much like totally blaming the fandom or anything like that. More of like, who's kind of more to blame in this situation? Is it the fans of this franchise or is it the franchise itself and the way they kind of handle themselves in certain situations? Now I know this is all basically just opinion so a few people walk away from this getting pissed off sorry about that there's just more rather than trying to look at like who can we blame who can we get pissed off at it's like uh, how this happened in the first place so um yeah so we'll go through this anyway we're, we're gonna try to avoid because i feel like every other podcast today is seem like you know who's to blame sjw's or alt-right shit you know and i'm gonna try to avoid leaning on that too hard but i'm sure one way or the other, it's going to come up because that seems to be one side accusing the other. So, you know, anyway, um, James, is there any like particular, cause I noticed like, it, I can't help but kind of go through, like, I don't even look for it. I don't even look for it. It just pops up in my YouTube feed or my Google news feed of just like so-and-so who worked on star Wars said this about Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy said this about George Lucas or, you know, people in Marvel shot back at the fans you know it's like every other day and you kind of read it and you realize oh that is not nearly as bad as the headline makes it out to be or sometimes oh that is pretty bad yeah i mean that's clickbait make it as it's uh as extreme and out bodacious as possible you know to get to generate reactions to generate you know views revenue get people talking about it yeah, I guess it's working because we have a whole podcast dedicated to it. But <laughs> it's also one of those things of like, you'll read something. Like, every so often, you'd be like, you'll read something like, oh, how does um like how does this constitute as news? You'll like read a headline like Jim like um Adam Sandler loved Sonic the Hedgehog, and you read like the article like, oh yeah, I saw Sonic the Hedgehog with my family right before the whole shutdown happened, and called jim carrey told him I-, I thought he did a good job i thought i thought he did a good job with the role like he loved the movie it's like oh, okay all right well I, what adam sandler thinks of the song of the hedgehog movie i'm sure we're all dying to know during while you know people are <laughs> getting infected every other day or every day just about well as long as jim carrey as long as adam sandler liked jim carrey and song of the hedgehog i think we're all good i'm sorry i'm getting off topic but yeah um I guess one of the more this kind of happened right before the shutdown. I we talked about it briefly on Old Man Orange, but um, 
Marvel seems to kind of have a bad record recently with fans in the con Marvel, the comics, not the movies, but the comics, because they have a tendency to um, crowbar in very progressive stuff. And a lot of times, well, I think it's half and half. Sometimes I've, I'm going to keep it up with all the books. I think sometimes it really works. Like they had uh, Falcon, because we're doing it in the show now too. Um, Falcon is Captain America. And that's an example where like, I think that really works. If Captain America is going to step down for a minute, it makes sense Steve Rogers to come in. Because that's like, as, other than Bucky, that's a, one of his best friends. So makes total sense who knows him better uh but then you get these other situations where they kind of or like miles morales who you know the end of the spider-verse is really probably one of this really the best spider-man movie and so there is definitely stories to be told and sometimes you get people like oh they're just trying to crowbar diversity but then there are other times it's like no 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 they actually there is something to tell but then there are those other situations where okay you're trying a little hard i don't want this thing to get canceled because it's not for me but I'm not going to pick it up just because it looks ridiculous. Um, I'm sure you heard, and this is, it's old news by this point, but I'm, I'm sure you heard about Marvel's uh, New Warriors, right? Well, no, I have not. So, uh, the New Warriors was a, uh, I think they were around as far back as the 80s, maybe the 70s, but um, they had a big comeback in the 90s, and they're very of the moment, like a very 90s team, and I'd be lying if I said I knew a whole lot about them. I know they have Nova. I know they have um, Nova and I think maybe Firestarter. It was just this weird oddball team of Marvel characters, most of which I don't even really know. And then they go and say, well, it always kind of represented the here and now. So what's popular with kids right now? So they have all these technically political... I mean... I don't like this phrase because I think it's overused, more sensationalized, but I guess politically correct team of superheroes. So they have a character named Safe Space and Snowflake. <laughs> and I can't help but just – how could you not laugh it at It sounds that? like a parody. It sounds like a parody. I'm sorry. It sounds like a parody. And the whole thing is – so they're, they're twins. They both look rather androgynous. Um, Snowflake – can make snowflake shurikens and throw them at people and safe space he they say he's like a big typical jock I'm like you look at him like i'm not sure you guys know what a typical jock is because he's like got shaved kind of like almost bald head but bright pink hair he's dressed in white and pink and his whole power is he can make force fields around people but not himself so it's like okay all right all right and then they also had another character who looked his his whole thing like oh well his whole thing is I don't remember his name by this point but his, his thing is he got he's like an Asian kid who got dosed with his grandfather's internet gas which I guess <laughs> is a thing in the Marvel universe now and so now it's like he's able to I'm, I'm sure they're gonna put it in that he could hack into something but the way they described it is like he can instantly pull up information memes whatever and he's like obsessed with memes and all that and i'm and just like he's basically has the power of phone but he is the phone more or less and kind of communicate with anything and just like oh okay and then there's like another kid who's like this one kind of pissed me off and i know it's probably meant to be more of a joke but they have a character called b negative and he's a vampire he's kind of like linked to morbius in some way and his whole thing is he's like a uh, he's uh, what was it he's um, 
he just he he's like all in the emo he he looks like an emo kid but he's into old music like the smashing pumpkins and nirvana music of the yesteryear you know so it's like oh god you know do they do they realize that the majority of comic book um you know customers are in their 30s and 40s and you're gonna make them feel old it's not gonna it's Mm -hmm. not gonna resonate well with the majority of of their audience they're trying to attract i guess and um connect with the younger audience sure but by the numbers they are the minority yeah and i guess the thing with that is because comic books have steadily been declining because realistically if you look at it i mean who knows if they're going to eventually just cancel they they always like every few years they seem to tease that we're going to cancel marvel we're going to cancel dc and then someone puts out a ble- like a someone puts out like a very clickbaity article like is d is marvel gonna buy dc it's like no no they're not they're not gonna buy marvel and i mean time warner and disney hate each other they are not gonna let they're not gonna if if anything marvel is not gonna own dc maybe in 20 years but not anytime soon um they're so they've been talking about like maybe we'll just have cartoons and t-shirts and movies but we're not gonna do the comics and they've been threatening that every so often and they more keep it around for um for just the legacy is the way people bring it out but um ever since you know comics started to get a little deeper in the 70s and then they started to get really good in the 80s and once they started doing that and started adding in more adult themes since then they've kind of fluctuated on sales because oh my god these comics are really good but it's not gonna get you know you, you have some like dark knight returns it's this very deep contemplative story about Batman, so it's going to age people out. So little kids, a little kid can't read Dark Knight Returns, or a little kid's not going to be in a Dark Knight Returns. So I think they're trying, you know, and it's only gone more and more and more with comics recently in that direction. So it feels very, like, panderish. When you have a character like, well, what do kids like? Well, they like political correctness, right? And they like memes. They like SoundCloud, whatever that is, you know. I feel like that it's just this weird attempt to try and bring people in, you know? The problem with putting memes and fads in your stories is they get outdated so quickly. Like, you, you, you can yeah. l- read a piece of media or watch a movie and just look at the phone, if, you know, in that story, and that will tell you a lot about the time when that was created and the kind of generation that they're trying to uh, connect with. And, you know, memes, they, they come and they go. Like, every week there's a new meme. So, you know, once you have that published in the comic, it's there forever. And we're going to be reading about it 30, 40 years from now, and it's not going to mean a thing. It's not going to be important. Yeah, I think it really depends on what you want to do. Because I feel like there are those comics, or even movies, they come out in a particular time. And you look at it like... Sometimes I think that's interesting. Sometimes it's like, what are you guys doing here? Because I'm thinking back on, like, um, I'm thinking back on certain movies that are blatantly 80s, like very 80s, like a lot of John Hughes movies. You look at those probably back in the 90s and be like, oh my God, these are so 80s. How can you, this is so cheesy and of the moment. But then once you give it like 20 to 30 years, 
people start to go like, oh, I kind of miss this. Oh, that's different. Now we got like, apparently when, when we were in high school, the big thing, the big comeback was 60s and 70s music. 80s was still kind of viewed as kind of cheesy. Now, younger generations, they don't really care. The, the cool retro thing isn't 60s and 70s. It's 80s and early 90s. And I know this because I got two nephews. And most popular thing, I've, I also have a few friends that are teachers, and they tell me, like, kids are obsessed with, like, 80s New Wave. Most kids don't give a... A lot of kids don't care about rock and roll anymore. Most kids, like, either like new hip-hop or... If it's something they might like 80s, like synth or 80s, new new wave, that kind of thing. And their favorite show is like Stranger Things. So it's kind of, you know, it all kind of fluctuates. And looking at something like New Warriors, I don't really know how that's going to be looked. I mean, first off, I don't know how many issues it's going to last because the people it's aimed at aren't probably even going to read it. Um but I'm thinking, like, there, there are things from the 90s that are, like, painful to watch. But there are other things, like, yeah, it's definitely of the moment. But it, like, it's interesting. You know what I mean? It's kind of an interesting little time capsule. But it, I guess it depends on how much you're leaning on. Like, I can think of a good example and a bad example. Um, there's a... I like this writer generally. Mark Miller. Uh, Miller spelled with an A. He did The Ultimates back when Marvel did their relaunch of the Ultimates. Well, they, they started like, we're going to start from scratch. It's going to be the Ultimate series. Here's Ultimates, which is basically Ultimate Avengers, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, X-Men. He was doing Ultimates, which is Ultimate Avengers. And it was very of the moment, which in some ways worked. And it was kind of saying, okay, if you were a superhero, you would be a celebrity by this point. And to kind of help fund your product, you coming back, they try to make a movie about you. You would have all these contract deals. And they're bringing that in. Like, okay, that's interesting. And there's a part where they were all joking around. Like, who would play us in this movie that's coming out? They're all joking around. And they're going like, oh, Matthew McConaughey would play you. Ha, ha, ha. Samuel Jackson would play you. Funny enough, that did happen. <laughs> and then and then they get to Bruce Banner. And Hank Pym is like, oh, wonder who would play him? That mouse from the Stuart Little movie. <laughs> it's like, I, I had to close the book and come back to it. Like, I need a minute. <laughs> well, Stuart Little's, you know, been around even before our generation. I mean, yeah, the live action movie came out when we were, you know, younger. But as, as a franchise, I mean, it was, it was a series of children's books. Our parents are familiar with Stuart Little. But at the same time, he says like that mouse from that Stuart Little movie. Oh, okay, so they're yeah. And at this point in at this point in time, how many people are referencing, you know, like oh, you know, like Stuart Little, like like Stuart. Oh, okay, all right, you know. So yeah. there's that, that movie and then came you and get it went. yeah, it's gone. Yeah, you got that, and then you got. I'm going to bring back Dark Knight Returns for a minute. Yeah, that's pretty 80s, and Reagan is still president. But it was still kind of saying something about the 80s. It was saying something about, you know, the punk rock movement, Reaganism, the Cold War, might versus right, might makes right, that whole kind of idealism. So at the end of the day, I think those are two examples. Like this one aged pretty well. This one, I mean, the, it's still a good story, but there's certain references. Like, oh, come on, dude. And it's just kind of confusing when like Marvel tries to, when m comics, whenever comics try to be very of the moment, it usually backfires in their face. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And I guess the question with that is like when 
fans get all i guess got a little bit more of like when something ages when something doesn't i guess when fans like i guess this is a situation like his fans were like this is like most hated thing marvel ever put out on youtube like dislike ratio was through the roof to like ratio yikes yeah if you're gonna do a timepiece, um you know it, it makes sense to include social economic events historic events political events you know those things are you know kept in history books those are the things mm-hmm. that are taught years later uh, a, a movie reference a pop culture reference those things no, those, those aren't concrete they're not written in stone they come and they go you know yeah yeah and it's like i i can't help but this is a case where i mean not to the point of going and harassing but that, that's let me say this when it comes to talking shit on these things it's not so much going to the point and I don't. I never take side with going and harassing the people who wrote it or make it on, online. But it's one of those things where it's like, I, I don't want this. I don't hate. Hope this book gets like destroyed or anything. I don't hope they like cancel it. Get. I hope these guys never have jobs again. But just like one of those simple things. Like I think this is an answer to everything. So a little premature saying this, but just vote with your dollars more than anything. Yeah, I mean, it's a hit and miss. Some things home run some things are foul ball and some things are just oh strike out try again next batter up please yeah um i'm sorry i cut you off there my bad there's a delay yeah what really uh gets me worked up nowadays is seeing references to the floss you know that Fortnite dance i still see that in movies the Fortnite dance yeah <laughs> that's something that i yeah that, that i feel like Okay, you know, it lasted, you know, a, a few weeks, you know, big uh, you know, big deal, but movies nowadays are still referencing it. It's already a few years old. And yeah, I, I think, or we're like don't do dabbing as much as they used to. Yeah, 10, 20 years from now, like the floss will go down, but I think it, it, people are going to forget where it came from. Um I mean, unless Fortnite just continues to dominate i mean i don't know it's people still play it it's pretty crazy uh but yeah like i i see that and i kind of feel like it's a cheap a cheap cop-out you know like oh they're trying to uh monetize or you know take advantage of the popularity of this this game this you know this meme what have you i I feel like there's no originality in it it's you could just have any any TV series, movie, or whatever, just have a moment where somebody flosses, you know, and you know it, it has the adverse effect with me. Like I, I I don't like it when I see it. Yeah, I guess that's the thing because you look back on you know old. I, I can think back on like people like our parents, our parents' generation saying, "Oh, this is just a phase. Watch this thing go away. What what's." What's good video games going to do you now? Video games is this industry that's still here. And you see people, not not everybody, of course, people on YouTube making millions playing video games, you know. So it's one of those things like, mm, shows what you guys knew. <laughs> but at the same time, and that's just a generational thing. That's not me talking crap on, you know, just that generation. That's just a generational thing. There's always going to be something that the older generation pushes against no matter how open-minded they think. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to understand TikTok. I don't think I'm ever going to understand TikTok. And 
there are some things I was going to like, I'm not going to try and push against it. I'm not going to try to tell you like, you kids are like, what's wrong with you? I'm just like, I don't get it. I'm not going to try to get it. I'm just going to let them do their little, like their little TikTok challenges and their little, I I, I don't know. I, I the, the more I look into it, the more I get angry. So I'm just going to look <laughs> away and just like, you guys do what you're doing. See, that, that makes you uh, um, the odd one out. Other people get angry too, but then they comment and they harass and they troll. <laughs> you keep you keep your voice to yourself, so you know, good on you for doing that, holding some self restraint. I don't know how I came across it. I think um, well, there's a um, there's a uh, podcast called Your Mom's House, and by Tom Segura and Christina P. They're both stand comedians, wife uh, wife and husband. And um, they often have segments where they pull weird videos, whether it be from the air, from YouTube or TikTok. And, you know, they'll, like, comment to make jokes about it. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to give them crap for it because it, it just brings certain things to light. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I guess me watching that started bringing TikTok stuff into my feed. And there was this one of this, like, girl, of, like, this girl who looked like she was probably maybe, like... 15 or 16 i don't know and she was wearing a bernie shirt and she there's a song like this high-pitched song with a hip-hop beat like okay boomer okay boomer and she's doing this doing that i'm like like you know just doing all these like cute like ooh me poses and i'm just like i i felt like you know the end of 2001 space odyssey when there's all the colors and lights flashing (laughs) in his face and he can't take it he's like ah like he doesn't know what he's like almost having a seizure yeah i felt like that like i don't know what's going on you know yeah you're you're not i guess i need to sign up for like a retirement home now because i'm there (laughs) he lost it so i guess going back to the main thing i guess there are times with marvel where it's trying to be very of the moment and it just backfires and i think the thing with marvel is not to totally put it all on the fans because i think I'm, I'm very much against you know like oh you you corporate chill you 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 freaking you you freaking cuck whatever I'm, I'm against all that kind of crap but there are times where marvel has this when they do get a little bit of criticism they kind of speak very general and i i guess when you got someone beating down on you and talking shit all day, eventually you're like, give me my phone. No, dude, don't. Just give me my phone. Here's what I think of all you little trolls out there, you know? Because that happened with, like, some of the Marvel execs. It happened with, like, not Marvel execs, some of the Marvel writers and artists, you know? They have to pick their battles. They have to be, uh, I mean, if one person who has a lot of, uh, you know, higher up power regarding publications, regarding commenting, um, you know any PR work for that matter, and they get triggered, and then they post. I mean, like they can lose their job, you know, because they have the you know their company, their brand, their reputation on the line. <laughs> and I've I've seen a few cases where somebody speaks out of line, and then like the next day, uh, the company apologizes on their behalf, and of course you know uh, mentions that you know consequences were, were were made you know retribution you know there's been they fixed the issue you know and, and by the issue they usually means they got rid of that person in charge the person behind the keyboard at that moment i just want to they put out like a, they go on like some talk show or they end up putting like a post on twitter like when i said 
all Jews suck. I didn't mean it like, yeah, they, <laughs> I'm sorry, that wasn't me. It's always something like it's though, you know, it's not always like something is even as bad as that. It's sometimes it's sometimes as bad. It's just as much as like now somebody could take segregate that, take that out of context and play it somewhere. But no, um, it's always one of those things where it varies from case to case. Sometimes people like. It's like, I'm like, all right, people are overreacting. There are times like, dude, what are you doing? But I guess that's the thing about Twitter and Facebook now. And there is a point in time where if a celebrity or someone high up got pissed off, by the time they were, they had to organize the press conference, like, I'm over it, you know? So, because I mentioned, I brought this press conference today because someone in the comment section said this. So I have to say back to them, like make it hard eye contact with the camera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that was something you don't have to worry about the fact things you have to worry about, you know, by the time you actually, by you had time to think about it and get like, you know what, you know what? But now it's like, yeah, that could, like you said, cost you your whole job now. So I, not that I ever really get on Twitter fights, but I hardly even go on Twitter. It's almost been like a year since I've really been on Twitter. So it's like, <laughs> I'm horrible about promoting this stuff, but I'll have to get better about it. Um, Another thing is, because uh, I feel like every, this is one's a little bit more gray. Um, every other day, I feel like I'm hearing something new about, like, Star Wars. Old fans versus new fans. Or original fans versus Disney. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or trying to find ways to redeem, you know, the prequel trilogy, if it's even possible. You know, like the, the Clone Wars finale. It redeemed the original trilogy, and, and here's 25 reasons why, you know. And here's 45 reasons why you're stupid if you don't agree with me. Some listicle comes out, yeah. Um, I actually didn't even, I never watched Clone Wars, because I'll be honest, the, the Clone Wars, I mean, people tell me it gets good, it gets better. Um, I watched the movie, in the movie, I'm like, this sucks. And then I watched a couple random episodes and I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. There's, there's Boba, there's Bosk, there's all these other characters. That's cool. You know, they're, they're trying to make Boba a badass, even though he just goes into a hole. But at the end of the day, people make it out to be like, Oh, well, he survived. Which, whenever you hear that stuff, it always just sounds like fan fiction, but apparently it's canon or I don't know what is canon anymore. Um, yeah, apparently he's uh, going to th- come back for the Mandalorian season two. Boba lives. So I guess he, I guess he did survive because that was one of those things. Like, did he survive by this point? Did he not survive? Is that still canon? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I like Boa Fett. There's a time when I was younger, like he's awesome. Then I really thought about it. Like, uh, fans made him awesome. He was never really that awesome, going by the originals. But anyway, um, when the when the original when the new series came out, actually, we finished Clone Wars. Sorry. Um, so I, I can believe Clone Wars got better and it got it got more deeper as it went on, but my other thought process is I know where all these characters end up. This green dude with the dreadlocks and the big black soulless eyes, he may be the main character of this episode, but I know he goes out in five seconds when they fight Palpatine. So why am I going to get attached to this guy? That lady over there that looks kind of like older Ahsoka. Yeah, she's a badass in this episode, but... I know that, you know, she just falls into a pit and Star Wars Force Unleashed or whatever. And you know what I mean? That's kind of how I always feel about all this stuff. Like, maybe there is all this cool expanded stuff, but I know how these guys end. And 
it always ends like, well, Count Dooku, get away. Well, of course Count Dooku's going to get away. He's going <laughs> to die in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, that does make it hard to, to tell um, engaging stories when the mystery is, is gone. And granted, in, in like Revenge of the Sith, you know, um, or the prequel trilogy, whether you love it or hate it, you you know where Obi Wan and Anakin end up at the end of the day. But at the same time, you're at least surrounded by all these new characters. You don't know, you know that they're more than likely going to die because they're not in the later films. But you want to know what's their story, what happens, where do they go? So. That, that at least, whether you like that series or not, that at least, like, all right, there's a mystery. I don't know who the, all these guys are. Let's follow their story. But when I already see how they're going to die, and now we're going to learn about them after the fact, it's like, uh, you know. But um, going back to the way Disney's handling Star Wars, because I feel like this is probably the most gray area here. Um, when they first started, I was very much a Disney defender and very much a, well, not well, just the way they were handling it. And when they came out with Last Jedi, I liked Last Jedi. I wasn't blown away, but I was very much like, all right, guys, you're really overreacting here. It's not a perfect movie. It's flawed. But, and, you know, in, in all honesty, I think Last Jedi, it's kind of like one of these movies where it has the guts and has the ingredients to be one of the best Star Wars movies, but because of a lack of direction and lack of coherentness and just weird timing in certain parts it was a little clunky and weird choices here and there. So it's like, okay, um, other than the prequels, this is probably my least favorite star Wars movie, but, um, whatever. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it. But then they come out with the next couple movies and they have this track record of hiring somebody, firing somebody, reshooting it, adding this, taking this out, this and that back and forth. And I'm like, Maybe there, and then you find out there really was nev never really a big, solid, concrete plan for this whole thing. And you're like, it, it really feels like somebody's like just fighting for the stick. Someone's just pulling back and forth on the stick. Like, I want it. No, I want it. You yeah, know. Yeah. Oh, she is a Skywalker. She's not a Skywalker. You know. Now I'm like, I don't know. Now I find myself in the middle. Like, I feel like there are people who are, who look for reasons to get mad about it. But at the same time, I feel like there is some mishandling of it. You know what I mean? A storytelling perspective, there are a lot of um, a, a lot of payoffs that that disappoint. A lot of things that were worked in ahead of time, foreshadowed, hinted at. Um, you know, loading the gun and prepping it, but then it, it never fired. You know, there was that. There's so much expectation, um, and that's what makes these this new trilogy so different. I mean, the original trilogy, you know, our parents' generation. When they when they walked into Empire Strikes Back, they had they were open-minded. They no preconceived conception of, of what to expect of you know where the story would go, and that's why you know the reaction at the end was so powerful you know on a cultural level. But nowadays, everybody has a theory. Everybody has um, their wish list of demands that they want to be met, and. Of, you know, everyone ha is across the spectrum from left to right, and there's just no way you can please everybody. No way, you know. And so, like, I don't know if Disney's trying to appease what they believe to be the majority, you know, or if they even take that into consideration or not. Like, who's the one who decides all these? Is it the directors? Is it, you know, the higher ups at Disney? You know, like you mentioned, like having a roadmap. 
I think they do with Marvel now. They didn't, you know, uh, with the original Iron Man and Captain America and Thor. That, you know, having them together in the Avengers was a dream come true. There, there really that wasn't uh, that wasn't set in stone from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So that's what made it so special. Now, of course, you know they have everything laid out. Phase four, phase five, like they know what they're doing, and with Star Wars, I think they kind of dropped the ball on that. They weren't as organized. Maybe they had too many people with their hands in the pot. You know, the more cooks you have in the kitchen, the worse the meal is going to be. Yeah, I I feel like um, going to like even Marvel because that for instance going back to the cinematic Marvel. Um, they're still trying to iron out certain deals. And I think you were the one to tell me. I looked it up. Like, they're hoping to eventually get Spider-Man and X-Men. They didn't have a way to do it. But they actually had an alternate scene at the for the stinger of, Marvel, of Iron Man where where um, Nick, where, uh, Nick Fury comes in saying, like, if radioactive bug bites and mutants weren't enough, now i got to deal with the spoiled rich kid who doesn't want to play with it, doesn't want to share his toys. So it's one of those things where where um they didn't, that was an alternate cut and they didn't put it in there like well we can't promise this let's put this on hold and hopefully we'll build up to it and there's even talks about like an earlier kind of like discount bargain bin adventures where because ike perlmutter the guy who was running marvel the guy who's running marvel comics and who kevin feige at the time talked and had to get past a lot of my ideas ike perlmutter is like just a really cheap asshole and he would just be like you know what why don't you just make it um how about we get one or two of the bing people and then you know get like a war machine instead of iron man or make it like does it have to be all of them you know like he was even pushing for like captain america civil war he was like does it have to be iron man how about we get mark ruffalo he's a lot cheaper it's like dude have you read the comics your company has produced you know so but that's eventually Kevin Feige went to, I think, Bob Iger or someone in Disney and just said, like, look, if I still have to ask him for stuff, I'm quitting. So what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? Do you want the, you know, and since then, Marvel's been, I mean, it was already on a winning streak. But since then, their ideas are a lot smoother and a lot more concrete because you got a guy who cares making it. And um, thing about Star Wars I believe that people involved care about Star Wars. I believe Kathleen Kennedy likes Star Wars. I believe Ryan Johnson likes Star Wars. I believe J.J. Abrams likes... I believe they all like Star Wars. thing is, Star Wars is a very different thing to a lot of people. It's like, are you someone who only likes the trilogy? Are you someone who came into Star Wars and likes the prequels and the trilogy is kind of old to you? Are you a kid who grew up watching the Clone Wars cartoon, and that's you with Star Wars? That's what Star Wars was to my nephews. I mean, they liked the movies, but once when I was talking to my uh, oldest nephew, and he's like, oh, I totally forgot Anakin becomes Darth Vader. I'm like, you know, so it was one of those things where, and it was, if you heard this, you'd call him out like, uncle's an asshole. But, you know, um, it's like, don't call me out like that. No, but... Um, it's one of those things. Star Wars is too, and like there, you get people who maybe the book, the movies was their, you know, was their door, but then from there they went on and looked at all the expanded universe uh, comics and books and all that. So Star Wars is too many things to too many different people. So I think when you don't have a focused, narrow in line of what it could be, I think that's where it gets a little muddy. And I think Kathleen Kennedy, 
is somebody because everyone talks about like Star Wars has too many agendas and it's like the agendas never seem too forced I mean no the pun intended I mean they never really seem too forced to me you know it's like okay there's one of the main characters is a woman a black dude and an Asian lady and that's a problem what I mean it's a galaxy full of people and aliens why is it weird that we suddenly got a little bit of diversity you know I know um like for our parents generation you know i'm thinking of my mother specifically she only you know watches star wars or you know maybe one of the biggest reasons she likes and enjoys star wars is because of the original trilogy actors so like having mark hamill you know and um carrie fisher and definitely uh harrison ford reprise their roles like that was a big deal and so that's why I think The Force Awakens did so well is because you had those old faces and the older generation, you know, it was nostalgia for them. And as their their roles and their screen time diminished, you know, in the subsequent films, I, I don't think, uh, you know, the older audiences um, really stuck with it because they didn't connect with the new cast, with the younger faces. Um, they they probably couldn't care less. You know, they just wanted to see more of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewbacca. To them, that is what Star Wars is. I, I like the three main leads, and I'll, I'll be honest. Um, when it comes to the new Star Wars films, let's just stop at them. Mandalorian is probably the best thing of all the new Star Wars things that have come out. Not trying to be that fanboy, but I think that's probably the best thing of all the new Star Wars. Um, but other things like Force Awakens and Rogue One. I both I like I really like both those movies. Both those movies are well made. Both those movies are timed out. And yeah, Force Awakens is more or less a remake, but at the same time I think that's a good all right, let's back to form. There's enough different about it. I think the one thing you could have done differently is make it where it didn't open on a desert planet. It could have been anything other than a desert planet. I think that's the one thing that like just to mix it up a little bit. But regardless, that's a good movie. It was fun. And it kind of, you know, returned an old feeling to you. Now, I don't have a problem with it going and being experimental and making you question your heroes or dissect values of older films or the previous generation. I don't have a problem with that. But I feel like... Because ultimately what... What, um, what um, Last Jedi is about... It's ultimately a movie about failure. But still, there's some weird narrative lines they put through. And... I guess my my big, I, I guess as time goes on, Ray, Finn, and Poe, the three of them, their story isn't as interesting as it goes on. It starts off like these are great. This is a great tee off for these characters, but they're not as interesting. They almost seem less developed as the story as the story carries on. If that makes any sense, because I, I feel like even you hear what Colin Trevorrow's, I think his that was his name, Colin Trevorrow. You hear what his story was going to be for the original. Um, um, uh, Rise of Skywalker. It wasn't called Rise of Skywalker. It's called something. Oh, Duel of Fates, actually, which is another thing they're trying to redeem the the <laughs> they're trying to redeem the prequels, kinda. That sounds more interesting. I mean, I don't think we needed a four-hour movie like his originally was gonna be, but I still think it sounds like an interesting concept, and it sounds like a more of what I kind of wanted to see because I kind of reached out and tried to add more to it rather than just try to alter it and like ignore this over here. You know what bothered me uh, about like specifically the rise of skywalker was the relationships between you know ray uh poe and, and finn I, 
like at the end of the movie, they're all, you know, they're hugging, they're holding hands, you know, they're in victory. I didn't feel it was earned. I didn't feel like, I know, you know, from The Force Awakens to uh, Rise of Skywalker, you know, there's a lot of time in between. And I think that you lose a lot of those moments where they build, you know, and, and grow and, and develop uh, that intimacy. In the original mm-hmm. trilogy, I, I, I feel like that intimacy was earned. It was something that you saw on screen happen. And, uh, and so you, you were engaged and you were rewarded by the end uh, with uh, Return of the Jedi. I can't say I, I, I followed or felt the same way uh, regarding you know the protagonists in the new trilogy. And I know that's the direction they were going with and I have no problem with that as far as the story goes. I just, I think that there was a lot of missed opportunity to have more of those slice of life moments a, a lot I think a lot is assumed that happened off screen and the story mm-hmm. suffers for that yeah and I think another thing about that is you, you you said that for older generations a lot of it was let's see Harrison Ford again let's see Carrie Fisher let's see Mark Hamill to me I mean when you're younger it's just like Luke Skywalker that's more or less the avatar for the audience that's me you know the thing, when looking back at it now, though, and the thing about something you could say about the prequel trilogy is it does do this thing where how do I put it? It does do this thing where it suddenly makes it feel more like Darth Vader. Because after you watch all, after you watch the prequels and then you watch the original trilogy, it's like, oh, this is actually a story about a good man becoming bad. And then ending on a good note. That's ultimately what this is about. But then, you know, and Luke Skywalker suddenly seems slightly less important. And I'm not going to totally blame the trilogies for that, the, the, the prequel trilogy. But Luke Skywalker suddenly seems more of like the, the guy, Pat, like the guy who just had to be there to give him that nudge rather than the chosen one. Like, it almost makes it kind of more interesting. Like, oh, he was never the chosen Luke wasn't the chosen one. He was just the guy who gave the right nudge to the chosen one that's kind of interesting so for that reason luke skywalker is never really that great at his job and that's fine that's fine that's actually kind of interesting and in the expanded universe we we just saw him starting to get good in return of the jedi he was just starting to get good and you could say oh well he did some backflips and like empire strikes back but i mean realistically return of the jedi he was a lot more competent a lot less arrogant he was just starting to get good so, I can't. I know he's older, so he can't be doing backflips and all that. But I still feel like there is something he could have been doing rather than just hanging out on a robe on an island, you know, hanging out with some like trolls. I honestly think there's more things that he could have been done with that. And there's even like, like I don't know, because he just seemed like I get the idea that he's at his lowest of his lows. He feels like he failed. He's jaded. He's like, what's the point? And I understand what they're trying. They're trying to make. They're trying to make a yin and yang. He finally came to the middle rather than totally light, because you see flaws in the light, and I understand that. But the following film didn't do anything with that. Like I liked Rise of Skywalker, but Rise. Uh, here, here's the thing. You ever see a movie where you watch that movie and you're like, you know, I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. Hopefully, the next one does a better job. That's what Infinity War was to me. I watched Infinity War, and I liked it, but I wasn't blown away. I'm like, well, hopefully the next one 
makes it all worthwhile. And then the next one totally made it worthwhile. Endgame is like one of the best Marvel movies ever. One of the best comic movies ever. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to watch Endgame again. Like Endgame's a lot better now. Endgame's a lot better because it was worth it. It was teeing it up. Rise of Skywalker and Last Jedi don't have that don't have that connectivity to them. I kind of like Last Jedi a little less after seeing Rise of Skywalker because it just doesn't they don't feel like they're as connected. So it's like, all right, well, what was the point of some of this? You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Luke Skywalker, you know, he didn't become a Sith or anything, but he kind of failed as a Jedi. <laughs> and you know, to be to yes. be fair, like I mean, he only had like a a few weeks or months of training with Yoda. I mean. In the Return of the Jedi, he considers himself a Jedi Master, and I'm thinking back, like, really? I I don't know if you've earned that title yet. I mean, you're like the only Jedi in the universe, so I guess no one's going to fight you for it. But still, compared to it's graded on a slant. <laughs> yeah, there's still so much. You're on a curve, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so much he doesn't know. So much that there's no one there to teach him. You know, unfortunately. But and Palpatine's like, oh, really? Guess what? Lightning hands. Oh, I didn't see that coming, did you? He's like, Daddy! All right, all right. <laughs> and, yeah, is, uh, it, you know, it's no fault to the actor, you know. Even Mark Hamill was disappointed with, with what they, how they handled Luke. And, you know, it's not his yeah. fault. But, yeah, that, that was probably the biggest letdown, um, me personally regarding the story is, is is what happened to Luke. And as all the as of the the, the, the the of all like Star Wars actual movies, the only two movies I do not like are Clone Wars and uh Attack of the Clones. Those only well, Clone Wars is okay. I mean Attack of the Clones is okay, but those are the only two movies I just flat out like whatever, I don't need to watch these again. But everything else I'm like I like it to love it. And I know Phantom Menace, Revenge of the Sith, both flawed movies, but I still like them. I can't, you know, they're enjoyable. There's some major things like, why'd you do that? Uh, all right. But um, still, overall, fun movies. And then even these new ones, I like them, but I want to do more than like them. I want to love them. I want to be, you know, I want to have, because I remember walking, watching last, I mean, um, Force Awakens and Rogue One and being like, oh man, these are awesome. They're right back on track. And then since then, there's been this weird fluctuating, like, it's kind of hard to keep track of them, you know, where, where are they going with it? So, and I understand, this is a case where I do kind of understand some of the fan outrage. Initially, I was like, okay, you guys are overreacting. And you do have some people that I feel like are looking to get mad. They're looking for any little thing to get pissed off. And they just want to keep on poking at it and poking at it. But I understand some of their frustration with, you know, the way, because uh, like I said, Star Wars is a different thing to a lot of different people. And you have, pe you do have people, I think, making Star Wars, like, all right, we're making Star Wars for the new fans. This, like, stop acting like this is yours. Like, you're right. It's not theirs. But at the same time, they're the ones that kind of stuck with it the longest. So you should probably, you know, try to somewhat appease them, not just flip them the bird whenever they come, whenever they point something out i mean to the point it reached the point where mark hamill was talking crap the guy who voiced darth maul was talking crap and you had like you know there's a lot of them who sign indian indianas or whatever they're, they're called but you know see the thing too is the, the younger generation they expect more but they're willing they're less likely willing to pay for it the the younger generations now are they take things for granted like they they want things for free they want streaming they want so when it comes to buying power 
you know, we're the ones um, who are more willing to, you know, to actually, you know, put down money for the things that we want to see. And so if we're not happy, um, that we, you know, lo losing out on, on, on our buying power is a big deal. Uh, I want to circle back on something you mentioned earlier. Um, you mentioned your love for uh, The Mandalorian. And mm -hmm. I just want to make a, a, a brief comment about uh, why that makes such good storytelling uh, versus, you know, The Last uh, Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. I think the movies, they there's a trade-off. They, they were so epic, so flashy, so intense versus, like, The Mandalorian. Yeah, you know, it, it had its moments of action. You know, it, it you know, decent uh, CGI, you know, really impressive stuff. But for the most part, it was slower paced. It was character driven. It was conversations. It was dialogue. It was, you know, drama with the interactions, the, the suspense and the intensity of, you know, um, the villains and the heroes. Even when they're not, you know, fighting each other, they're in the same room together. And their conversations are enough to make you on edge. You know, what's going to happen next, you know? And that's just, you know, I think really good storytelling. And so I think that's, that's the trade-off. The bigger movies were so flashy that you lose, you lose those, uh, those intimate moments. You lose the, uh, the writing, the dialogue, the, it, you know, that the Mandalorian is just, it's a great series. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't, you know, write you a list of exactly why, you know, but to me, that's something that, that speaks to me. Well, another thing about Star Wars is, and I'm wrong, I love Star Wars, but ever since I was a kid, the conversations felt very stilted. And it felt like we're in another world, because they're not having casual conversations. The most casual person, and most realistic person in Star Wars, for the longest time, was Han Solo. Because he's like the only guy who doesn't want to be there. He's going to do his job, but he's, he doesn't, like Harrison Ford didn't want to be there. <laughs> and it shows through his acting, and it works for the character. Even when Force Awakens came out, like, Harrison Ford doesn't care about Star Wars. That's great he doesn't care about Star Wars. Want to know why? Because it comes through his character. Because Han Solo, just he's going to like, I guess I'll do it. All right. I, I, sure. Why not? That's Han Solo's whole personality. So that's why I think that's fine if he doesn't even like the character. I'm, I'm okay with that. And it's not even about what I'm, what I'm okay with. I just think it works for the character. Well, Mandalorian is one of the only times in Star Wars I've seen for a long time I'm sure there's other examples you look long enough, but it's like people are able to have conversations in this other world and they still feel like that's a real conversation. There's the episode where they're breaking into that um, prison ship and Bill Burr, of all people, is playing an ex-Imperial sharpshooter. I'm like, you guys got Bill Burr? All he can play is... I don't like it here. What's going on? This is stupid. That's that's uh, that's kind of his whole persona. He's just like, are you shitting me? That's kind of his whole attitude. So the fact that they got him to play a jaded ex-imperial, like ex-imperial now mercenary, that is brilliant casting. And it's one of those things where it's like their conversations they had there for a second. Like that's some like you know he's just like, oh he 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 was one of the empire's best sharpshooters. That's not saying much. He's like, I wasn't a stormtrooper, jackass. You know, like there's <laughs> things like that. Like, it, it, like I think that, and it's not like the 
the most amazing, well-written show, but it's a show that's well-written enough in something on Star Wars. Like, there's the part where there's the two stormtroopers just hanging out. Oh, like, I oh, know. He's going on another massacre. <laughs> that was... Just, let me see it. Like, that yeah, was unexpected. You know, like that, yeah, like, in a pleasant way. Yeah, it was almost kind of like the Quentin... It almost seemed like a scene out of, like... Like, a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies, they'll have conversations between characters that are not necessary. And sometimes he has too much of that. But... It's not necessary, but you understand those characters a little more, or you understand that world a little more because of that conversation. We don't see get that very much in Star Wars. Seeing two stormtroopers who suck at shooting, like, what are we going to... I don't know. How long is he going to be? I don't know. He's, someone cut him off, so you know what happens when someone does that. Yeah, so I think Star Wars needs more of that. Yeah, I mean, like, that. the stormtroopers get, you know, parodied so often. I, I love the fact that they did it themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. and like so yeah i think that kind of covers stars this star wars took up a much bigger chunk of it than i assumed it would so i'm just going to jump on to i guess a more relevant of the moment one unless there's anything else you want to cap off with star wars oh i'm sure down the road we'll we'll, we'll re- retread these waters um so you said you haven't really kept up you don't really know about this so much um last of us part two i guess that's the more recent one now, you said you never played Last of Us, the new one's yet to come out. There's a leak recently. Now, Last of Us, for those who don't know, is a very well-received video game. And it's a very basic zombie story, but the human connections between the two main characters, Joel and Ellie, is very, very well-written and very well-acted. If I'm being 100% honest, it's probably the best acting and writing I've seen in a video game. Maybe not the best story, because the story is very basic. It's just... Let me get this girl. It's basically the Seekers, more or less. Let me get this girl from here to there. She annoys me. I don't like her. By the time that ends, though, they're going to be caring and worried about each other. Or kind of like True Grit. Kind of like that. And it's one of those things where it's a very basic zombie survival slash western story. But it works. It works. And it's very well written, very well acted. Now, the sequel's coming out soon. And there's a leak. And they say that it's a big combination of things. This is another one where I feel like it's a little gray, but we don't have all the information yet. And this isn't like deep dive theories, nothing like that. But um, essentially what ended up happening is there is a leak. And they think at first they said it was a disgruntled employee, and they say it's not a disgruntled employee. Who knows by this point? I'm sure maybe it's out there somewhere. But regardless, they've released cut scenes, among other things. And... I'm not going to say who or what, but basically something happens for some particular characters and they're characters people really like and they're just like, really? That's how you do it? And then you suddenly switch off at some point and play as someone else and it's a character that kind of came in out of nowhere and they're saying this is pushing some kind of agenda since you're playing this particular character. Now, it should be noted that the first Last of Us you uh there's a you kind of switch off between joel and ellie between certain moments and through i think a dlc story and other conversations here and there they get across that ellie's a lesbian and you know doesn't feel too forced like okay feels very natural the way they did that in this one apparently at some point you switch off between characters and you're playing apparently i don't know i don't know this is just what i've heard apparently you're playing is a trans lady and that, of course, pissed people off. And, like, I don't mind playing as a trans lady, but I guess the thing what they did is 
it's a character they brought in out of nowhere and they insert this character in place of someone else and a lot of people are mad like wait you're gonna do this particular character like this and then you're gonna insert this character right here why are we doing this and part of me kind of understands what they're trying to say or what they're trying to do but another but then you know people just like lost their shit on the internet and because they even had you know cut scenes from different parts of the game so it's like well it's hard to fake that but who knows maybe it's an a b storyline you could switch or choose you know yeah not having played the game i you know i can't comment really on whether or not that feels natural or forced so out of that i guess without going too much into that because i'm trying to because <clears throat> i came across spoilers without even trying to look into it if you, if you hear the way i'm talking about it, you could probably narrow in one of three things that happens here but um which I just don't want to be, because, you know, I, without even looking for it, I came across it. Like, it was like in a thumbnail, said this, like, you assholes, whatever, might as well look into it now. But, essentially, it does, it's a very, Last of Us is a very bleak story, and this seems to have a very bleak ending as well, going off what this thing is. And you have people that are shouting at the top of their heads, refusing to buy it, screaming this, canceling pre-orders, and then Sony went out of their way. Sony and Naughty Dog, when the, the company that made it, went out of their way, taking down any, like, people just talking about it, talking about the story, talking about what happens, copyright claiming, just everything. Even if they don't even show any of the footage or any screenshots and just talk about it, which is knowledge is out there by now, they would just, they would cancel their channel. They are just trying to strong arm all these different YouTube channels and news outlets and it's like, that's not really the way to handle it. So this is kind of one of those situations where in this particular field, you guys may have been wronged, but in another way, you're not handling it the best way. I'm sorry, kind of, that's not the most adequate way to say it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I remember when Endgame was coming out, Marvel was um, also having a really tight reign over what content was being discussed about it, you know, to avoid spoilers. And you know their their uh, motivation behind it was to enhance the experience you know of as many people as possible so like that there was a you know mm -hmm. a noble cause they weren't looking to uh, i guess you know silence people for fear of their own reputation they were trying to uh you know pr protect protect people like you who just see a thumbnail and have everything ruined you know but uh, if, if the content itself um, obviously is controversial, you know, and uh, that that topic certainly is, some people, um, you know, have trouble, you know, uh, viewing viewing that in their uh, in their media, in their games, and they certainly have the choice not to not to purchase that. Um, and I don't know, like it, you know, the Naughty Dog is not necessarily apologizing for the content, which is which is good. <laughs> But if they're, you know, uh, doing this Big Brother, you know, silencing, you know, everyone, you know, that's um, that, that's not helping their cause. It's it's not. Um, I certainly have you know less sympathy for them for doing that. Uh, instead of feeling like a victim, it's, it seems like they're acting like a bully in this regard. It's kind of like I think a case where someone was. To, I mean, I want to make it sound as bad as other things, but for lack of a better term, they were initially somewhat victimized, but then this happened. And it's like, all right, dude, you're overstepping your bounds. 
and even the case of because um, people might say that seems like giving them too much credit um, there, I guess there was an article or expose that their working conditions weren't that great and then to top it off this comes out so then out of that people are like well there's still a lot of people whether you like the company or the, the um, CEOs or whatever whether you like them or not at the end of the day this is there's a lot of people who worked really hard in the game and now people are just throwing it out there so i can understand i can understand like a lot of frustration with it and I'm, i'll be honest when it comes to most video games i don't pre-order i kind of wait and see I, I don't i don't go by ign because you know they're just it's ign fuck them but it, I, I kind of go by like other i i kind of see what a lot of reviews say i'll maybe ask people i know what they think of this and i'm like okay all right cool cool and then i'll make my decision from there um so last of us i mean i'll say this going narratively off the story i don't like the sounds of what they did but i don't really know really hearing that out of context out of nowhere maybe it's maybe 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 it's worth it once you actually play the game i don't know i don't know but the thing about it is it just seems kind of like it, it's too early to say. It's really too early to say. We don't know. But this is a case of a company overstepping its bounds and trying to play Big Brother, trying to do all these copyright strikes. And I'm not a big fan of that. But then, once again, there are those people who anytime... Another, another part of it is anytime someone says in gaming... I'm not sure if you know this name or not. But anytime someone in gaming says, I'm friends with Anita Sarkeesian. It's like, oh, why'd you just say that, dude? You realize you're just like ringing like the dinner bell for so many freaking trolls. Am I wrong? I don't like Anita Sarkeesian. I think she's shrill and annoying. I can't stand her. And I don't have a problem with feminist ideals or anything. But she herself, she's very, she misrepresents a lot of information. And she's very, like, she, she I think she does more harm to her cause than good. But... So this, and apparently they made the first Last of Us with some of her ideals and some of her things in mind and ended up being a fine game. So with no, and everything felt very natural. So maybe that'll be the case with this one too. But at the same time, it's just one of those things, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, this will eventually blow over you know, once the game is released. Give it a year or two, you know, and if the if the game was good and it stands on its own merits, then this this controversy will you know water under the bridge but if, yeah, <laughs> if the game yeah. is not received well then it it will definitely be um uh, uh like it'll leave a scar on the company if anything this is going to be a game that who, who knows i think that this game's still gonna make a lot of money because you get people who don't keep up with all this i mean a lot of people like you and me or well, me i mean i know you don't you keep up with entertainment stuff i'm sure maybe not this particular game but we might keep up on this and it might be in the back of our heads there's a lot of people who don't and they're just like oh i like the first one let me get this one and uh i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait it out i mean i'm not totally i'm not totally disillusioned with getting the game even though i think that ending or that plot point sounds stupid but that being said it could still be a really fun game. And isn't that the main reason we buy a game in the first place? I mean, you could want to play through a story. And a story for a game like this is very important. But I didn't play Last of Us just for the story. The game was fun. So at the end of the day, that's the main thing that has to happen here. So if anything, I'm fully expecting it to be a a, a um, totally concrete, well-made game 
It's just where is it going to stand narratively? That's the question, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Nintendo's policy. Game first, story last. Yeah, yeah. Um, the ten- well, it depends on the game. Like, I'm not looking for, like... I'm not looking to have something tug on my heartstrings if I play a Kirby game. <laughs> but I can expect that for maybe, depending on the Mario game, or depending on... They're still afraid to do that with Mario. I, I can expect that for a Zelda game, because Zelda is probably one of the more uh, cinematic franchises. It is, but but even still, uh, if you read interviews from the development process, the story is the last thing that they consider. It's always the gameplay first. The environment, the setting, the tone, and then they figure out, okay, what's going to happen? How do we? How can we tie these pieces together? Uh, but the gameplay, the mechanic, you know, whatever gimmick you know of the game is going to be, that's the thing that they work on the most. Yeah, yeah. So, which I'm, the people who do Paper Mario, I'm just kind of curious, like, all right, this time he's origami. What? Yeah, so that's the game mechanic, origami. Like, all right, we'll, we'll figure that one out. I mean, I'm sure that game's going to be fun. Paper Mario games are usually good. But, but um... I get hmm? confused, like, origami folding paper. Mario, Paper Mario, he's always been able to fold into different shapes, you know? Like a, like a paper airplane, you know, or roll up in the tube. Yeah, I, I guess it's really origami, like much more of like, I, I don't know. I guess you could start and make some kind of um, th- theme of like, they're trying to fold you into something you're not, you know, something. <laughs> you know, even the environments, you know, they've always been 3D. They've always been paper, you know, folded and stacked. and Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't played every Paper Mario game. You know, I... I, I I skipped, uh, was it the, the Sticker Star Saga? Oh, I missed that one too. Is that one for, was that one for Wii U or 3DS? I think the 3DS was the sticker one. And then the Wii U had the, the paint one where all the toads were white and you had to paint them. Oh. Oh, alright, well. I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember liking the one for 64 and Thousand Year Door. Yeah, Thousand Year Door. Those are the two I played in Lights. Uh, this other. Yeah. Th- those are the true um, Mario titles. Though for recently, a few episodes ago on Old Man Orange, we did a we've been doing Mario May, just been doing a retrospect and all these Mario things for May, and um, we did um, Mario RPG, and I probably like that one because I have a Super SNES Classic. I was like, oh, I could finally play this game, so did that for the podcast. And I found myself liking that one more than the Paper Mario games, but still, paper, uh, paper, uh, the first few Paper Mario games are at least really good. The other ones I haven't had a chance to check out, but I'll get there eventually. Um, anyway. But uh, that all that being said, let's go to something. I think we kind of covered Last of Us Part Two. I think another thing that actually this one's old news by this point, but I think it is a good example of like this is a case where I, I, I I'm sorry, and I hope you don't take offense to this because I know it's kind of more. But at the same time, I feel like this is a case where it is almost more fans. Don't be wrong. There is stuff the creators probably could have done. I'm not going to give the show a complete pass, but I'm going to make an example of something. Um. Teen Titans Go. I know that's not really relevant at the moment because there hasn't been any major controversies for it, but at the same time, I feel like that is a good example of when is a fan basis expecting too much and when is the... and or when, or, You know what I mean? And when is the fans kind of like, alright, dude, calm, calm the hell down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I... I was let down too. Teen Titans, I remember. Oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, uh, 
I mean, I, I wouldn't consider myself a toxic fan, but yeah, I'll be honest. I was disappointed uh, when I discovered the announcement for Teen Titans Go because the original series was, you know, it was great and um, it was getting better and better, you know, as it progressed. And season five ended on such a cliffhanger. And, you know, even now there's a campaign to save season six, you know, and, and bring back the original stories. My kids love Teen Titans Go, you know. So it, there's a, there's a market for mm-hmm. it, you know. It, I understand that. They uh, they did watch the original series, and they just didn't, you know, they didn't uh, connect with it as much. But man, they love Go, and uh, you know, I took them to the to the theaters. We watched Teen Titans Go to the movies, and I'll admit that movie was very funny. I I found myself laughing out loud on several occasions. And it's mm-hmm. nice to see that they uh, don't take themselves too seriously, and they're more than willing to poke fun at themselves. You know, the same uh, complaints and problems that the fans voice. You know, they address those and they point them out. And they, yeah, you know, in, in any funny way. So if it's self-aware like that, you know, more power to them. And when it comes to the toxic fans, they uh, they address that as well. Um, have you seen the Teen Titans Go versus the Teen Titans? Yeah, we covered it for an episode on Old Man Orange. Yeah, and they have the they have the guy he's wearing a My Little Pony shirt, and he's like, and he's holding a sign like, "You ruined my childhood." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he represents the the guy who couldn't accept the change, you know, and he, he couldn't he couldn't appreciate the Go mm-hmm. series for what it was, and not just not just not appreciate it, but avidly hate it, <laughs> and that's where the toxicity the toxicity comes from. Um, you know, just having those negative emotions and trolling and commenting and just hating on it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's one of those shows, I'll be honest. I uh, the, the original Teen Titans, I saw a couple episodes here and there, and I guess for me, it was like, I was still a fan of, like, original DC Universe. And Justice League and Justice League Unlimited were happening around this time. So I was just like, why is it in this wannabe anime style when it could be in... Because I think a Teen Titans show set in the traditional DC animated universe, like, that sounds awesome to me. That being said, though, I'm like, all right, well, this show's not for me. Whatever. I don't really care. But then every so often you or someone else like, well, actually watch this episode or watch that episode. And I would watch it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, this one's a little better. This one's... So I believe it's a show that... It's still not a show that I was totally in love with, probably because I didn't really... I didn't watch because it came out when we were like in high school. So it wasn't a show that I really watched and I don't really have that connection to it, but I'll go back and watch certain episodes, certain moments and see, okay, there is something to this show. I wish it was here more often. And I wish they didn't have this weird, like, um, kind of like Raven, you're going to have a birthday party. <laughs> oh, by the way, the end of the world's going to happen back to the party, you know? So, um, it's one of those things like it's not my preference but i understand why people like it and then teen titans go came out and i'm like uh whatever i'm not gonna whatever and then i I could always just point to my nephews my nephews watched it and i watched a few episodes with them and i was like and i've kind of felt 50 50 about that too like there are episodes where i'm like all right there are episodes where they're just screaming and running around yelling at the top of their lungs and then there are other episodes where it's just like that's legitimately funny that is actually funny and someone actually knows their DC universe history. 
They know they they know weird cut characters. Even if you don't even aren't even laughing at the show, if you look in the background, any brand or any stuffed animal or anything is somehow connected to like DC universe. Like in the part of the movie when they're fighting, like like you see a billboard for like a Ray Al Ghul Lazarus Pit Spa, you know, which to anybody else that's whatever. But then like to someone who knows DC, it's like oh my god, that's. That's such a weird random cut. Or someone's eating Mr. Freeze ice cream. Or someone's... Or, you know... It's always something like that which makes someone like me notice it. Like, okay, okay. That's that's kind of... I'll give you... It's at least fun to look for. But regardless, there are certain things in the writing where it is just characters just fumbling over each other, screaming. And I can understand if that gets a little old. But at the same time, there's also this thing that kind of crossed my mind... Where when Teen Titans Go, Go came out, there was also that point. Or not uh, first Teen Titans. I'm like, wait, Just League Unlimited is getting canceled, but Teen Titans still going on. What the hell, you know? And then Teen Titans gets canceled, and now Teen Titans Go comes back. Like, oh, this is you know, people got I me mean, not not rounding you into that, but people got all like really pissed off about it. I'm like, oh well, you know, this knocked off Just League Unlimited, so now you know how it feels. It must have been really hard too, because it wasn't just like. A reboot. It wasn't. Um, I mean, like uh, the Batman animated series. Yeah, there's the one that we know and love with Kevin Conroy. But since then, there's been like half a dozen other, you know, new Batman animated series, and you know they don't last, you know, beyond a few seasons. But Teen Titans Go wasn't just like another Teen Titans show. It had the original voice cast, and I think that's what bothered so many fans because. You, you couldn't help but, but feel like it was replacing the original Teen Titans, not just, you know, a, a reboot in that in that regard. Yeah, and like you said, though, the show acknowledges that there there's one where it's, I don't remember what it was, it was some supervillain, like, well, you know what, I actually, there's a show, that, there's a Teen Titans before you that was way better, here it is, and they're just showing, like, highlights of the show, they're like, oh, wow, then it's the last episode where, like, Be- Beast Boy cheeses out, runs out into the light, or whatever, and he's like, well, that's how it ends? Like, yeah, that's how it ends, you guys came in and you ruined it, you know, <laughs> so, it's like, when you, so it's it went from being, I almost don't even view it as the same thing, I could understand, like, you know, it's like, I guess that they were going to say, we're going to continue Batman the Animated Series, but we're going to make it the silly, wacky, funny thing. I can understand this in a natural knee-jerk reaction, but then you get people who are just like, I mean, I don't want to be this guy, because I usually side with the fans and maybe people making it rather than the producers, but producers, at the end of the day, it's like, you're out of the, you're not going to go out and buy, maybe, actually, maybe you will, but a lot of people, it's like, they can't sell, like, Teen Titans toys to you guys as easily as they can some kids. So what what is it? Because nearly every show, it's it's, unfor- it's unfortunate, but nearly every good animated show was made to sell a toy of some kind, which is the unfortunate thing. That's the reason Young Justice only made two seasons. The ratings were decent, and the uh, the ratings were decent, and people liked it, but the toys weren't selling. The toys based off the show weren't selling at all. So then they just eventually said, well, even though it's getting good reviews, it's not aiming at the kids we want. So uh, ex-nay this thing. And then they eventually said, you know what? We're going to make it full PG-13 when we go to DC Nation or DC Universe app. So 
And that's kind of the unfortunate thing with, I don't even know if that's getting a fourth season. I'm still watching. I just got the DC app a little bit ago. I've been watching through it and it's pretty good so far. Um, but it's one of those things that it's like, realistically, I mean, I love the animated universe. I love Batman, the animated universe, but it, it's also like, I'm not, I, if they don't make another episode of it, I understand why, you know, by this point. And I guess that people just want a little bit of closure more than anything on the, um, Teen, Titan, Teen Titans Go, but I will on Teen Titans itself, but it seems weird that this many years, and you go out of your way to make the Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go, and they don't acknowledge it. They just got kind of trapped in this other dimension, and they have to work together. And that movie was still more of Teen Titans Go than anything else. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, something to appease the fans. It was more of a tease than anything, you know, because at the end of Teen Titans Go to the movies, uh, the post credit scene there, where Robin, Robin mm-hmm. says, hey, I, you know, I, I found a way to get back. E- everyone was assuming that that was an announcement for season six. And then we got that directed, you know, the streaming uh, Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans, which is, you know, basically just like another another episode of the series, you know, for Teen Titans Go. You know, it, so the Teen mm-hmm. Titans, the original team, is more like a cameo, a, a guest, you know, guest starring the original Teen Titans, you know, and yeah, it was a fun story, but like you mentioned, it wasn't it wasn't closure, and I really hope that you know if we're not going to get a season six, that maybe they'll consider doing another, you know, straight to you know streaming movie, uh, s- similar mm-hmm. to what they did with like Invader Zim and Rocco's Modern Life. Mm-hmm. Those movies came out recently, and they were you know, direct sequels to the series because the series didn't end, you know, on, uh, properly. And so instead of making another season, they just made a full-length 90-minute, essentially, episode, but in a, in a way that was satisfactory to the story and, you know, original animation uh, that matched the style, even though it was 20 years later, you know. Um, I'm hoping Teen Titans gets that treatment. That would make me happy. I will say on the side of the fans for that one, that's not an unreasonable request because enough people like it, enough people will buy it, you know, and chances are I'd probably rent it to talk about it on our other show. So it's like, you know, they make their money off that thing, definitely. And it's like, um, even like a good example of that is like kind of this, you know, our fans ride or is the media right, whatever, however you want to go with it. Not the media, is our fans ride or the creators ride, depending on the situation. Um, Rocco's Modern Life, since you brought that up, that was a good example, just because that's literally like, I want the show from my childhood! Like, your show from your childhood past, dude. It's different now. Why can't you... So I understand sometimes that there is this... I I think something about our generation, I mean, I I hate the term millennial, just because it sounds so twerpy. Like, oh, you little millennial you, go go play on your phone, you know? But, um, I guess millennials... I guess the thing about us is we're probably one of generation X kind of held on to stuff a little longer, but I think millennials is the next generation to really kind of hold on to stuff. Cause you have people from generation X like, Oh yeah, I uh, still like transformers. I still like uh, star Wars, whatever. But then you got people who, and you know, we literally have an, an a, a sequel to the Batman comic book series. I mean, comic book series. Ah. Batman animated series in comic book form. We're literally at that point, and that's only happening because enough millennials wanted it. And even even though it was like you said, a faint tease, the Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans, 
that right there, that's enough millennials wanting to see Teen Titans go again. Or Teen, the original, sorry, I mixed up. The original Teen Titans again. So it's one of those things where I feel like something about our generation just wants to hold on to it and make sure it's all right. Star Wars is another example of that, you know. But the thing about makes Star Wars harder is there's a million, not million, but there's a lot of different versions of Star Wars. What Star Wars is to people and the way people view Star Wars. Yeah, and Star Wars itself is more than just a single set of characters. It, you know, there's lore that, you know, you got the old Republic, you got the new Republic, you got, you know, Empire, post Empire, you know, New Order and. So you got a lot, a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's just a lot there. I think that there's just, um, I mean, it goes without saying, you're never going to please everybody, but there are those situations where I think fans need to learn to just not like, just like, okay, it's no longer for you anymore. It's the next generation because you're not the one that's buying the toys. Why you're not the one watching Cartoon Network? And I will say that cartoons this day and age are better than they probably were a lot of times when we were kids not every situation but i mean i think 90s is when people who made car i think uh, how do i put it not saying people who worked on cartoons previously didn't care or there wasn't love for it but i think 90s is where they started trying to treat it more maturely that's where you had shows like i mean it's the go-to but batman the animated series had some deep, heavy moments in it. And you also had other shows like... Maybe the show doesn't hold up as much, but I remember it being kind of heavier and darker for other shows at the time. The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember... Yeah. I remember there being... Um, there, there's other ones... I, I just I know what I just said, but it just... I, haven't, I mean, may, may most of the DC animated mo- cartoons at that time kind of had that. And there's other shows that are just kind of escaping me at the moment... But I feel like since then, they've kind of slowly made more and more cartoons. I mean, I've watched a little bit of that DuckTales reboot since I have Disney+. Plus, and like, oh, wow, this show is actually clever. It's actually well-written. It's funny. Um, someone told me to watch Gravity Falls. I remember I was just always turned off by the art style. I'm like, all right, let me see what this show's about. Okay, I'll give it a shot, I guess. And watch like, oh, oh, this show's legitimately funny. This show's legitimately well-written. And they actually care about the characters here. So... There is, like, not every kid's show is a masterpiece, but there's a lot of kid's show out nowadays that actually, that you know, almost kind of made for adults also. Yeah, there's there's this holy grail um, that, you know, if if every, if it was an equation, right, you have different variables, you have, um, actually, Rick and Morty, um, the, the story, the story train, have you watched that episode? I watched that yeah, episode. Yeah, they talk yeah. about it perfectly. You know, you have your different elements, your marketability, your relatability, and you know it, everything's a formula. And and if and if you hit, if you score high enough on all those marks, then that is a successful show. You please the producers, you please the the company. They're making money. They're selling toys and merchandise. You please the fans, and then you please the storytellers, the writers who are telling the story they want. So, mm-hmm. if if you can achieve all of that, you have success. And so some of these other shows, they might score high in, in some areas. They score low on others. So, for, like, you're talking about Young Justice. The storytelling was was great. The animation was great. It didn't sell toys, so it was considered a failure. And then you have some shows that sell a lot of merchandise, but the stories were just, they were shallow. They were, uh, you know, they were your villain of the week episodes. They were There was no progression. There was no growth. 
Um, so, you know, like, uh, yeah, Batman the Animated Series started as one of those Villain of the Week uh, kind of shows. Um, but I think it did, it did eventually, they started uh, tackling uh, some deeper issues, and the storytellers wanted to um, emphasize less on the action and the marketability, and they wanted to actually, you know, take their characters and go places, you know, and put them in situations mm-hmm. that were uh, uncommon, that were unpredictable, that were that were new, mm-hmm. and that was that was something that uh, made it stand out for the time. And, and since then, like, um, I mean, a lot of shows now, like, I think Teen Titan, uh, Teen Titans had those episodes where it was a villain of the week. But the ones that I love the most are the ones where they did tackle deeper issues. The ones where there were real consequences that were felt in subsequent episodes, in subsequent seasons. And then Young Justice took all of that and it perfected it. It's like every episode was, you know, a, a self-sustained story, but you it was uh, tied together so well with every other episode before and after uh, that the narrative was just, you know, it, it captivated you. Uh, it it was mm-hmm. a, a good story, and uh, so like like you mentioned, I think now cartoons these days uh, they're they're more than just glorified commercials. They definitely were in the eighties. Oh yeah, they were just commercials. You know, He Man um, and Transformers, and they were just designed to sell toys. Um, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So um, nowadays, there's. You know, the, even the creators now, you know, storytellers, artists, they take pride in their work and, and they want, um, you know, they, they take ownership in what they do. And, and so telling a good story is definitely given higher priority now than it was two decades ago. Mm-hmm. And I can understand when you got shows that are coming out now that are actually could encapsulate, you know, can can you know grab the attention of kids and adults i can understand maybe adult like hey it'd be cool if this thing came out but then you get people who like you said like i remember um this isn't teen titans go or, or it's still related to cartoons but it's like oh, god i don't want to i feel like if i i don't want to open a whole other pandora's box of just because this one seems a bit extreme but i think it's a good example like you get people who they have this thing, they grew up with this thing, and they like it, and it's a well-made thing, and they always want to be presented how they know it. Teen Titans Go! is a great example of, like, what the hell is this? It sort of resembles a thing, but it's not the thing. An example, and I don't know if they're still doing this, but I remember when they were Disney's talking about all their remakes and reboots, they're talking about, and uh, this is old, old news by now, but... Um, they're doing a remake of Little Mermaid and they wanted to cast a uh, black girl as Ariel. And that's one of those things like, all right, I mean, I'll be 100% honest. I can see, all right, you're trying to be a little bit more socially aware and trying to be just more diversity. That doesn't bother me, but I see what you're doing. <laughs> it doesn't see, feel like a sincere choice, but it feels like, okay, I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It doesn't mean it's going to be bad at all. I think that it could go, I think it, depending on the way the movie goes, it can go either way. And that's not enough things to make it good or bad right there. It's just, okay, that's who you're choosing. All right, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm kind of curious. And then you get people that were fuming pissed about that. I'm like, why are you really mad, dude? Why are you really mad about that? And regardless of whatever it, they say, 
it's one of those things where at the end of the day it's like i'm not racist i'm just mad because they're not they're t they're turning a blind eye to i don't remember where little mermaid's from but somewhere in europe <laughs> but like um it's not norwegian but i don't remember where it's from but um anyway people just turn a blind eye to this country's history or whatever and then i'm just like are you really going to just be yelling into a camera over a cartoon? I mean, you're not even... Is, is the movie really... I mean, sure, it's Disney, so more than kids are going to see it. But really, at the end of the day, is it really made for you? Are you really... I can't... That, that's the thing that gets... When you get someone who's, like, in their 30s yelling about... I mean, I, I know that if, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But when someone's mad that, like, somehow what they're doing now, whether it be Star Wars, Teen Titans Go, or Little Mermaid, like, talking about, like, you've changed it! You've changed it! Like, oh. Hashtag. It's new generation, dude. not my Ariel. Is that still, was that was that what it was called? Is that, is I, that they did? They did have a hashtag for it? It just came, it just came to me. But Not my mermaid. Right, but that, yeah, that's the attitude. You know, they, some, some of them actually do kind of feel uh, that they have ownership of, of they, they take ownership of their nostalgia. And then they, yeah. they use that as ammunition uh, to, you know, they, they get defensive. And so they, they go to war, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it's, it's a battle that, no one's gonna really win at the end exactly. of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Just. I mean, Disney. I mean, like it's one of those things. Like, I don't feel really either way about it. I do see that, and I do like. Okay, Dis Disney's trying to look more woke or whatever, but I don't see a problem with them hiring this actress. I don't. See, I don't remember who it was, but I don't, I don't see a problem with it. We'll see what happens when the movie comes out. Because, like, well, that's unrealistic. Like, mermaids are unrealistic. <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. Um... I, I know we've already talked about this before, and, and I'm sure many people have, but uh, this brings to mind the Sonic movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's an instance where, um, you know, fans kicked and screamed and cried and whined and yelled, and and something happened. You know, they, they got what they wanted. Well, I don't know. The Sonic one leaves me with mixed opinions, because I'm a, we're, I don't know about, I know you like Sonic, I'm a massive Sonic fan, not in the DeviantArt kind of way, but that's one of my favorite characters, that's one of my favorite video game franchises. Over the last 15 years, he's been up and down, hit and miss, but regardless of that, I'm always going to love the classics, I'm always going to love the Genesis games, I'm always going to love Sonic Adventure 1, Sonic Adventure 2. After that, it gets a little dicey, but there's still good games in there, and there's still dog shit in there. But regardless... It's I still love that character. And that movie came out, and I liked the movie. I wasn't blown away by it, but I liked it, and it was better than I thought it was going to be by a lot. And I hope that they only get better with, with sequels. But um, the, I kind of liked it more than I thought I would, just because it was more of like this movie about... It was deeper than I thought it would be. It's a movie about loneliness. And let's be honest, there's a lot of like there's like an article that came out some years ago that they think the reason why Sonic appeals to so many people, I'm not sure if it's a way of giving a backhanded compliment or backhand to the fans. They think a lot of Sonic fans have like autism and all that. They think it's something by the way, the characters are designed, like the eyes and certain shapes about that, which attract them. I don't know if that's true. That's just an article that came out some years ago, but 
the fact that they made a movie about loneliness and you managed to give a reason why, because he's always like say, throwing catchphrases out there. And you're like, oh, wow, the reason why he's always so like hyperactive and so like, hey, man, it's a front because he's just desperately afraid he's going to be alone. I think that's taken like a quip machine and actually given him some giving him a personality and like, all right, all right, that's that's interesting. What are you guys doing about that? It, it feels natural, too. Now, sorry, I went on a tangent there. But the thing about that movie, when I first saw the, the silhouetted picture, I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be awful. But let's see what happens. I wasn't like fuming at the mouth, but I was like, OK, really? Uh, OK, that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. Whoever passed that, whoever made that choice is an idiot. But let's see what happens. And that first trailer comes out, and it is such a weird collision of, like, weird ideas and misunderstanding the character. They're playing Gangster's Paradise, probably, because, well, people like retro stuff because of Guardians of the Galaxy. And that Us trailer, which was playing I Got Five on it, got a lot of views. So let's find an old hip-hop song around that same time. And Sonic was big in the 90s, just like this song, so okay. And sure enough, it's like they ended up making a good movie, but I can't help but wonder, like, this is one where it is a little bit more confusing, I guess, because would we like it as much if he still was that weird abomination thing? Because uh. there's not very much Sonic in that movie. But you only have Sonic and you have Robotnik. You got a quick little scene in Green Hill and then you got spoilers, 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 Tails pops in for a mid credit scene. Beyond that, there's not a whole lot of Sonic going on. So, seeing a character that looked good and looked like the character reminded you, oh yeah, this is a Sonic Can you movie. imagine what Tails would have looked like in that same style? I imagine it probably would have been like the fox from Antichrist. He just pops out with a disemboweled <laughs> stomach. He's like, Chaos Reigns! Credits. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll be honest. Disembo- dis- dis- uh, di- uh, gore. It's not disembodied. Dis- 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 Degord, what what's it called disemboweled, disemboweled. <laughs> I'll be honest, I would not have liked it as much. It would not, it would not have felt like a Sonic movie because it would not have looked like a Sonic movie. To be a hundred percent honest, I feel like that's a clash of. I don't think that was the director's choice, right there, to make him look like the way he did. Because there's enough things in that movie to show he knows Sonic enough. I honestly think that was a producer. And that was some, what they came up with before, that was some weird middle ground they met in the, in, I think that's what they came up with for that particular design. This is Paramount. So, so if you consider Paramount, like what they, what they've done with other, uh, you know, classic franchises, take a look at what they did with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They tried to make them mm. hyper realistic, hyper uh, grounded <laughs> in, in, in reality and less fantastical. And it was not well received. You know, it was uncanny no. valley. It's like you you gave them noses, and you know they didn't have them before. Little nostril holes. Well, they wanted to make them more human, and that's exactly what they did with Sonic. They wanted to make him more human, which is the problem because he's not a human. I mean, he looked like he escaped from the island of Doctor Moreau. Yeah, and so and, and like the Transformers too. You know, it. I mean, they're robots, mind you, but they gave Optimus a mouth and a nose. And I always thought that looked really weird. You know, I always preferred it when he had mm-hmm. his face, his mask on, because that's the way he looked like in the cartoon. And then, of course, Bumblebee comes around a decade later and fixes all that. It's like, oh, this is what they're supposed to look like, you know, finally. 
and it was well received. Yeah. That was, it's weird because I'll go back to Sonic in a second, but Bumblebee, for instance, like it's weird because that was the first Transformers movie. I don't take Rotten Tomatoes that seriously, but that was the first Rotten Tomatoes. That was the first Transformers movie where critics like, oh, that movie's pretty good. It was pretty good. But at the same time, there's that thing in the back of your head, like, all right, is it a prequel or is it a reboot? Because there's some things that come in the later movies and there's some things that don't match up chronologically. So, like, he turns into a Camaro again at the end. So, just like, all right, what, 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 what is this one? So, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know what? I think people liked that movie. I liked it, but I think people liked it just a little more. But because you didn't have Shia LaBeouf's parents <laughs> eating weed brownies and for some reason acting like she's on PCP instead of edibles. And then you also didn't have, like, a giant robot ball sack swinging into a camera. You didn't have, like, an overly convoluted plot with Stan Tucci playing Merlin and somehow Nazis are involved and robots were always there and knights are involved. Yeah. <sighs> I think that just the... It was a grounded E.T. story with a robot is what made it like, oh, it's good. <laughs> You're the most basic thing possible, and it ended up being really and good. The Cybertron scenes, too. I mean, like, the, it oh, was yeah. like an extended 20 minute prologue. Those were awesome. That was the, yeah. that was the Transformers and, um, that people remember from the 80s. Yeah, and I know, and like, yeah, maybe the movie's not perfect, but I think just the fact that, like, oh, no, it's just good enough. It's good enough, and that's all people wanted. And going to Sonic for that. I'm not sure how people... Because there's even certain things about that. When he's like, you know, they have the parts where he's creeping in and watching watching through the window of watching them do speed. And just seeing that thing creep through the window, watching speed, like, I like Keanu Reeves too, you know? Like, that... Like, that probably... Like, that's... Sonic's a weird one because I did not have that reaction that everyone else had. I was just like, I mean, I, I mean... I was like, God, it doesn't look good. I don't know why they made it that way, but I'm probably see it regardless because I'm curious. But everybody just kind of gangpiling this thing. I almost wonder if that was a situation where the director already knew it was going to suck if they did that. And then he thought of this as, an op as a perfect excuse to go out there and just remake it the way he wanted to remake it. You know what I mean? That's almost. I almost feel like that's how it is because there's too many things in that movie that seem smarter than it should be to to release that character as he was in the first place if that makes any sense you know what i mean making a movie about someone who runs from their problems his thing is speed he has social not social anxiety but he has a thing about you know loneliness there's deeper themes in that movie than other movies like it and they found a way and, and he had that stupid god-awful design i honestly feel like that jeff fowler never liked that design and was looking for an excuse to go back and i think they used that opportunity oh sure i'm sure it wasn't his decision uh i, I think it definitely wasn't mm -hmm. the higher ups the producers who were uh, the ones who, who made that call and of course they're the ones who aren't invested in the character they're not invested in the story they just want to make money and they trust the director you know to make a good movie to make money and they probably didn't listen to him even from the very beginning when he, I mean, he probably rejected those designs, but since they're the ones giving him the money and funding the project, they have the ultimate say. And, uh, somehow the, the feedback from the fans 
was enough to, uh, you know, to help change their minds, you know. And uh, I, from what I read, um, that the the producers knew that people that some people were going to be dissatisfied. They knew that they were expecting it. Um, they just didn't realize that it was going to be as overwhelming. That they weren't, you know, they they knew that fans, longtime fans, weren't going to be satisfied. But they were kind of hoping that the casual viewer wasn't as familiar with Sonic wouldn't care what he looked like um, that the the Sonic's reputation went beyond his design that the name itself would would trigger enough interest or the fact that it was a video game adaptation so gamers just you know general gamers would be interested but that proved to be wrong that Sonic Sonic's character and what makes him so um, timeless is the fact that his design is just spot on the more you do with it the less success you're going to find it's like you, you really can't tweak his his look without making it worse you know it's it's that's how good it is i don't know why they haven't done this yet but it is like and people will say how dare you compare him to that but at the same time it's like I think he looks better than him and at the same time i think that he also well obviously he pulled from him it would be kind of like if you wanted to do a live-action movie and have Mickey Mouse in it. And you suddenly say, like, we got to make him look realistic. So we got to give him these black, soulless, little beady mouse eyes. Um, mice don't... Uh, they, they, he's... Let's give him... Let's make his big, dopey yellow shoes. Let's make those Nikes. And let's also throw... You know, I, I feel like... And they still made him Pumas, but they made it look... They, they blended it in better. The thing about that is there is like a uh he is a character regardless of the quality of his games he's at least stuck around on t-shirts and toys because he is probably one of the most well-designed characters out there he is literally this perfect weird combination that was group focused so much in creating this almost like punk rock felix the cat that's kind of how he, he always looked to me a punk rock felix the cat he has that classic 1920s 1930s cartoon rubber hose design yet he looks a little bit more modern and something about that just you know people have not let go of that there's other characters that have gone by the wayne side and he's stuck around so it is frustrating when you hear some producer being like i don't get it so most people won't get it you know it's frustrating when you hear that and I'll be honest, I wasn't one of the, I was one of the people who was talking shit on it, but I wasn't one of the people like, how could they do this? I'm like, well, let's see what happens. <laughs> okay. And um, I think this is one of the few situations where everyone complaining about Sonic. And actually, I usually don't, usually I'm just like, all right, guys, just calm down. Just freaking calm down already. This is one of the few like cases where I'm like, that actually worked. That actually worked, and it worked for the better. I don't know. Um, the thing is, I don't really want to, like, I don't like the idea of, like, you know, bullying and pressuring. Not that I feel bad for studios, but I just don't like the idea of everyone sounding so whiny and demanding all the time. But to be fair, people also just, they also kind of dismiss the Sonic thing a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, they redesigned Sonic. I, I heard some podcasts, like, people talk about it, like, very dismissively. Like, they, they redesigned that whole Sonic movie. Why? I don't, they didn't like the way his mouth looked or something. They weren't saying it as a joke. They just literally, like, they didn't like the way his mouth looked. Like, the mouth was a thing. But it was, it was like, the cherry on top. There's a bunch of other things going on that were just 
uncanny with that. And it worked in that movie's favor. They went back. I think that if the movie didn't have all this negative press in the first place, and then it swing back, like, do you like the new design? We got Tyson S., one of the most um, critically, one of the most beloved people in the Sonic fandom out there to help make him. I honestly don't know if the, if, he, if they just presented him as, as he was, I don't know if the movie would have done as well initially. Like, if they just presented, like, here is Tyson has Sonic, this is what he is, this is what he always was, I don't know if that movie would have made, it got as much attention. I think since they bent to the fans, fans overwhelmingly went out there along with people who were like, oh, I played the games, uh, let me take my kid to yeah, see this. Yeah. I mean, th- there's some people who, uh, you know, would... Uh back the the idea that this was all some kind of controversy that this was you know some sort of publicity stunt of uh, paramount from the very beginning yeah, i don't I, think it was there's too much work so too much either. time in that uh, i mean I, I i believe that what we saw in the first trailer was all they made so it's not like they had to rework the entire movie so that wasn't the case mm-hmm. um, which you know saved them some money in the long run because that would have been uh, I, I think they they would have said no to that. If the whole movie was already made, they would have just released it. So there was enough mm-hmm. time to make those changes. But I don't think it was on purpose. But I do agree with you. I think that all all that uh, the negative press uh, gave this uh, this movie a lot more uh, spotlight. And the fact that they made the changes and they publicized the changes and people were talking about the changes, I think made people feel more obligated to go and see the movie because they felt like, oh, they, they changed this because of me. And I complained so much. Now I'm obligated to see it because I need to, I need to prove to myself or prove to them that what they did was good enough, you know? And, uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, that definitely helped. Yeah, and that's like the situation. I just, I think it's just because first off, you have one of the most. I mean, I love Sonic the Hedgehog, but let's be honest, there are a lot of like crazy fans out there. There's a lot of crazy fans out there for anything, but it, Sonic also has one of the most vocal fans. Some of the most vocal fans, it seems. And anytime, like I don't know, there's like. <sighs> That is such a weird one. Like, I feel like I could almost do an equation and make sense of it all until we get to Sonic. It's like, uh, we haven't figured this one out yet, you know? So, I, I honestly feel like there's something about that that you... Because you could, you could, like, you know... There are points in, like, superhero movies where the characters didn't look like the, like the characters from the comics. And, like, whatever, these nerds will pay to see it. But at this point, they've actually made the characters look good enough and find that happy middle ground. Like, Captain America's suit looks like Captain America's suit without it having to be too cheesy, you know? So, I feel like now that we can make a dude dressed in red, white, and blue and not look super tacky, that, all right, well, what's your excuse for this character over here? So, I know that's a different studio, but still, what's your excuse? They found a way to make it happen. Why can't you make a way to make it happen? And I think it's also them dismissing the fandom like thinking oh the sonic that's the thing that was popular in the 90s well he's still around he he's not as big as he was but people who like it still really like it yeah sure they do okay give him fingernails and make make a deal with puma we'll call it good all right uh i'm thinking of like the original x-men movie you know everyone's just wearing black leather jumpsuits 
Yeah, that was very like originally. Brian, uh, it's it's weird because Kevin Feige, he had so many connections and so many. He, he was a lot of movies were complaining about. He was actually involved with, but he was the guy pushing it to be more sci-fi, more comics. I want to say I don't know how what to what level, but he was involved with Transformers. He was involved with some of the, like Spider-Man, Sam Raimi. He was involved in X-Men, and I don't know if it was him or someone else, but I think he was one of the people whispering into. Brian Singer's ear, we gotta give him costumes of some kind. Because at first, Brian Singer didn't want to do costumes. He wanted them just to like, why do they wear costumes? That's 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 gay. It's the '90s, so that's how they attacked. He's actually gay, so he probably wouldn't <laughs> say that. But um, he's like, he's like, um, he's like, why why we do why we do costumes? That's weird. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense why they do why they do costumes. You know. So um, it was probably one of those things where. Um, he was almost as time went on they're like well what if we made it like motorcycle costumes like why do they call each other cyclops this make them so well, that's a stupid name why do they call them cyclops well because it's like a code name and they don't want to say their real name out in public okay he had to do certain things like that to almost get brian singer on board with some of the choices that were made with that movie so doing a, putting them in black leather was the middle ground they can make with that and out of that i remember watching it like oh we'll take it for now we'll take it for now but you, you better believe that now that Marvel has X-Men, people want to see Wolverine in yellow and blue or yellow... Orange and black. ...and brown at some point. At some point. I mean, uh... What? Maybe not to the point of the fins on the eyes. I mean, I'll, I'm curious to see what they do. But at some point, we'd, I'd like to see yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what they do with the, with the looks. Um, you know, first class in, in the, that generation of X-Men, you know, they, they gave them their their classic blue and white jumpsuits and you know it, they pulled it off i thought that was okay and they made, it was smart the way they did it they made it look like it was kind of like um buckles coming down in the middle so like oh all right it resembles an x but still looks like it has some functionality yeah. to it so it's just a matter of just thinking outside the box and, you, you know, know they're in that jet you know flying to place to place so it's like a it's like a flight suit you know like a like a pilot would wear yeah. you know on a jet yeah, it makes total sense for that. And by the time you get to, for some reason, when you get to, like, I don't know, the, the X-Men movies fluctuate with quality, but, like, when you get to um, when you get to the end of Apocalypse, they're all in their own badass version of their costume. Like, oh, it, it, okay, it kind of resembles their costumes from the comics. All right, cool, all right. Next one happens, they're all wearing this lame Star Trek-ass, like, blue and yellow, like, very plain... Like, are you guys part of a cult? What are you, you know? So it likes, but it's one of those things where that's neither here nor there. There's just sometimes that thing about like, what do they know? Like, I mean, you can only probably learn from other filmmakers and other production companies about how they do this, how they do that. If that being said, I think a lot of times it's a, it's a director or producer not taking the source material seriously or mis or misunderstanding what it is they have. Like Sonic, not realizing, oh, this thing's way more bigger than we thought. We didn't think people would be this pissed off about it. And I think that this is, that is one of the few cases where I don't feel bad for, um, I mean, I feel bad for Jeff Fowler because he was, at the time, because he was the director. So people were blaming him and attacking him. I don't think it was his choice. But I do feel bad for, um, I feel bad for him. I didn't feel bad for the producers, though. I mean, I wouldn't really condone just like that much screaming and yelling but this is one of those cases where it worked 
I didn't feel bad for the producers. Like, yeah, this looks horrible. Makes me think you know? of, like the Mario Brothers movie. You know, the one from the nineties. Like the that the couple, the directors, they they didn't even play the mm-hmm. game. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you make a movie adaptation on a franchise that you don't even play, that you're not familiar with, you don't enjoy? It's like you're the worst person to do it. <laughs> why? Let me. S- let me say this about because we're in the middle of Mario May and we covered that movie in a couple of ways and I can say this sincerely, I legitimately love the Mario Brothers movie. I legitimately love that movie. That being said, I know it's not perfect. And I know there are flaws to it. There are things in that movie that, if you read the original scripts, the original script which you can find on the Super Mario Brothers movie archive, if you find that. There is an original script that is actually very accurate to Mario Brothers, and it's actually a little bit more dramatic, in some ways a little bit more deeper. That's actually, and by the time, they went through like four other reiterations before they got to the movie they made, and the directors they got for it, I like that movie, but they seem kind of like pompous assholes who were who thought they had more of a vision, because... They did a few. I think they made something that like was they made um they 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 were involved with Max Headroom among other things, and those are critically acclaimed. They're up and coming, so they were the next it thing, and they just kind of like we have a vision. And then the studio came in like, all right, the script you're doing now, we're gonna change it around to this. We're gonna change it around to that, and they kind of went behind the studio's back, and would go up to the actors and say, yo, this thing you've been reading for, it's not that. It's this right here. Like, wait, what? Yeah, that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're filming right now. You know, and they would almost, so they had their vision they wanted to make. And then even sets were, sets, there are certain scenes and sets they couldn't use anymore because it didn't fit the script. It didn't fit the script. So they had to just try and find ways around it. So that's why there's some weird things in that movie chronologi- chronologically that don't make sense. There's some, I still like that movie. It's a fun, entertaining movie, and I don't say that in a snarky, hipstery kind of way. I legitimately like that movie, but I, f- I fully see, knowing the trouble production that it has, why it is the way it is. Yeah, no, I... I and there's some things in that movie... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I agree. It's, it's tragic. Uh, what, what could have been... Uh... Well, it, it's also one of those things where it, you see... Um, there's some things in that movie where it's just like, oh, wow, you actually found a way. It, it's basically, if you look at it like Mario Brothers through a dystopian world lens, which it still goes by the same rules of Mario Brothers, really. There's just certain things in there that are, I think are also coincidental. Like some of the things they say, some references they make. Some people are trying to make connection that um, Mario's girlfriend is Pauline or inspired by Pauline. People making, trying to make a correction that Scapelli, the guy that gets turned into a chimpanzee, that's supposed to be a reference to Donkey Kong's at a construction site. I think a lot of that is just trying to... I think it's giving them more credit than they deserve. At the same time, though, I still enjoy that movie for what it is. There's something about... That was like not the first movie I saw in theaters, but one of the first movies I saw in theaters. And it was at a time when I was just getting into Mario Brothers. So you can't, you know, it's kind of, no matter how many film essays talk about, here's why Mario Brothers is the worst movie ever made. No matter how many video essays about that get made, it's not going to change my opinion. I'm just, you know. Yeah. It holds a, a special place in my heart, too. You know, it, it's, it's a fun movie. It's wacky. It's zany. Uh, yeah, it's a great kids movie. The, that being said, um, even though I would love to see a sequel of that, I don't blame it if they don't make a sequel of that. I just hope 
the Illumination movie does more than just their typical Illumination stuff with a Mario paint job over it. I uh, hope they that is the case. They listen to fans, and hopefully it finds because this ultimately comes down to you know, like we said earlier, when are the fans overstepping their bounds, and when is the studio just being, or when is the production company just being stubborn and stupid? It's a case by case basis. I think it comes down to, and even by then, it's still like all opinion. Like, what do you think? We just said how we think. Uh, we're coming up on two hours now, so it's probably a good time to cut it off. But anyway, um. Yeah, I guess just ultimately at the end of the day, just vote with your dollars, and you're going to yeah, say something? I think I would sum it up this way. Uh, it's not really a fans versus the producers. Um, it really comes down to respect for the material. If the if the producers are disrespecting the material, then the fans are obligated to stand up and defend the franchise. And then likewise, mm -hmm. too, sometimes the fans are the ones – we're not the ones who are respecting the source material, and we're unrealistic with our expectations. And so, really, I think that that's a good uh, measuring stick is look at the source material and see uh, if we can find some common ground. And the more you deviate from the source material, uh, the riskier it's going to be. You know, the, the more waters you're going to uh, you're going to stir up, and yeah, that, that's where the drama comes in. That's far more eloquent than any way I could put it, so we're just going to leave it on that. Uh, that's a good way of putting it. Thanks, James. Well, anyway, I'm going to close on out now. Um, anything uh, you'd like to plug before we get out of here? Yeah, speaking of Sonic, um, I sell stickers on my website, and my Sonic the Hedgehog sticker is definitely my most popular one. People just love Sonic. You just came out with your Inktober book from 2017, and you sent me a nice little package of a couple stickers, and... Um, I like the Sonic one so much, I actually didn't take it off and stape that stick it to anything. I actually have it taped to the side of my, um, my, my positioning's a little weird with my computer. I have it taped to the side of the monitor so I look at it while I draw my comm tablet here. And um, I'm like, I like it too much to actually permanently stick it to anything. So I'm just, and I like it. It's got like this nice fusion between modern Sonic and classic Sonic. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm glad you like it so much. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. It's right next to a picture of me and my girlfriend. So there you go. <laughs> nice. And that's this week's episode of Octorock Talk. We uh, actually kind of cut off the audio a little early there. Didn't get a chance to properly sign off. But I think we kind of said everything we wanted to say by that point. Anyway, uh, just want to thank you for listening to this week's episode. We're probably going to be on the Old Man Orange feed for another one or two weeks. But then we'll be going over to our own channel shortly after. In the meantime, you can go ahead and look up James at jamesartville.com. That's where he has a lot of his work on there, especially his digital illustration and graphic novel and commission work. And uh, anything Old Man Orange related regarding our podcast, our comics, or Spencer's Comic Pizza Boys, or any old cartoons he made, go to www.oldmanorange.com. From there we have our links to all our other websites. Anyway, uh, you folks stay tuned and take it easy. The music for this episode, the opening music was Wrong Place at the Right Time by Them Strangers, Spencer and Marshall's Old Man. And the closing song we have is uh, Staff Roll. Uh, it's, a par it's a version of Staff Roll, the ending song from Mario 64 by Game Chops and Hellient off 
Mario and Chill. I might be mispronouncing that, but Hellion is spelled H-E-L-Y-N-T and Game Shops. You can find them on Spotify and plenty of other areas. I got this right off iTunes. Check them out. It's pretty good music just to chill out to while you're working on something. Hope you enjoyed that brand new episode of Octorock Talk. Look for more zany fun at oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, comic books, cartoons, and all that other fun stuff.